and welcome to the I Hate Everyone podcast, the only podcast run by a 24-year-old black magician from Wisconsin, what a combination, currently living in New York City, recording from the big comfy chair, the comforts of my own home. Currently pitching a show to Netflix, featured in the New York Times, AM New York, Fox, NBC, and ABC today. Today is a little bit of a spin because this podcast really goes with my mood. It's a diary of the time, the era. When I first made this, the first episode was about nigger rigging. If you don't know what that is, it's a term that some girl used over my house when my black roommate was helping her fix her car, and she said, I need to nigger rig this car. That's what she said. I said, this is ridiculous. I need to tell everyone, but how? A podcast, I say. Then I started getting really negative thoughts, bogging down my friends with my emotions and all this shit about how I hate everything for these specific reasons. I started, I started to kind of shift it towards that, right? Then I shifted it towards, the, it was the era of friendship, the era where I'm making new friends, I'm coming up, I'm moving to New York, I'm in China, I'm meeting people, meeting a woman, getting in a relationship, the happy-go-lucky era, and now we are at the era of reconciliation. We're trying to make up for the lost time, right? So, I wanted to give you guys shit about dating, because dating is pertinent, because there's a lot of intersectionality and a lot of, like things that you can know in dating there's interracial relationships there's the dynamic between men and women there's queer lgbtq spaces and there's uh all these different types of aspects that really go into dating and it's really a great sociological experiment and a look at the world if you really think about it that's why i love dating in general people are like oh you just like dating no i like dating because i can look at the world and i can learn so much about new york from talking to one person if that makes sense however this is not a dating show this is a show where I talk about how I everyone and everything. This is a show why how, how we talk about the nuanced things in society, not just dating. So today, today I'm going to give you guys an argument for generational wealth. A lot of people think that because a certain group of people doesn't have as much money, that they just didn't work hard enough or pull themselves up by their bootstraps, etc., etc., etc. As we have seen with the rise in popularity of the RBG movie and the history on RBG and things like that, how women couldn't even, well, I, I didn't know until I saw the memes after her death that uh, women couldn't like sign a mortgage by themselves and shit like that. They couldn't even function by themselves. And now we wonder why women are like, you know, kind of like stuck in this subservient position in society when in reality only like, in Ruth Bader Ginsburg's lifetime, she went from not being able to own a house by herself to being able to own a house by herself. And we're just like, women should just have houses. You know what I mean? Shit like that. So, so we know shit like this exists. But I'm going to give you guys a concrete example that when someone goes, black people just don't work hard enough. Hispanics just don't work hard enough. Women just don't work hard enough. You can tell them this story. Give them this, which is called a claim, a ground, and a warrant. This is how we create an argument and argumentation. You create a claim, which we have talked about before, which is a claim. Carrots are orange. Ground. Carrots are orange because of the... Oh, fuck. I shouldn't have used this. Let's say there's a mineral in carrots that make them orange. I have no idea. Because of the mineral in carrots that make them orange. Or the vitamins. I don't know. Fuck. And then you need a warrant. A reason for the uh, that reason to be valid. So you could say minerals typically change the color of whatever they're in. That's a full argument. You know what I mean? So let's try a, a different one. Let's try something better the sky is blue the sky is blue because the particles in the air reflect blue light i don't know if that's true but i heard it on arthur when i was like seven years old and because someone's like the sky is blue and he's like actually gunther or whatever the fuck his name is the particles in the air reflect blue light and it's like uh and then the reason for why the reason is valid 
because the blue light is reflected into the sky it creates the appearance of blue or something like that that was still kind of a bad example let me think of it's hard to create an argument when a point isn't being okay what's a real thing someone would say black lives matter is a terrorist organization or is not a terrorist organization so black lives matter is not a terrorist organization a reason for why that is true black lives matter supports the liberation and the proliferation of black people don't we want black people to be equal in society yes that's why black lives matter is not a terrorist organization that's a round argument because a lot of people will just say black lives matter isn't a terrorist organization um it's black people matter don't you think black people matter like that's like asking someone to answer their own question which of course they're not going to do so that's a bad like argumentation technique uh i have a problem where i like to get the last word i'm also very matter of fact so someone could say something and i'll say something like it's a fact and it just seems like it is kind of if that makes sense it's a cool a cool skill to have but it's not necessarily always true so so like i have this this thing and i kind of leave the conversation after that if that makes sense like i kind of know my big point and then i'm like i'm gonna make this claim this ground this war and that's how i think about it just kind of like even if you're a dancer if you're at like a fucking club and you're a natural dancer you might be like i'm gonna do this this and this when everyone else is just like two step two step so you know that's just like my job you know what i mean so that's uh that's what i enjoy doing so today generational wealth you got a friend black people just don't work hard enough like my friend fucking trevor his parents are doctors they're fucking rich they came here from nigeria and they're doctors he lived next door to me my whole life and trevor has had a fine life he doesn't care about any of that race shit he even voted for mitt romney back in 2018 he like he or in 2018 what did that do 2008 sorry uh he he trevor never trevor says he never even experienced that racism he's married to a white woman dude like generational wealth isn't a thing it doesn't matter my grandparents were irish immigrants they treated irish people as bad as they treated black people back then they couldn't even get a job anywhere and then they saved money and that's how they were able to uh you know like that's how my family yeah i have a college fund you know you get to go to college for free period these are the things that i've heard the most these are the arguments that you will hear when talking about generational wealth or about black people generational wealth you don't know what to say you could give them a hundred fake analogies and they don't take it because it doesn't matter timmy isn't real fucking timmy didn't timmy's grandpa theoretically should be able to explain timmy's grandparents didn't get to go to college because that was illegal for black people unless they went to a black college we couldn't accept every black person in the world even if they wanted to right so then timmy's mom didn't go to college she was unlikely to go because people who go to college typically tell their kids to go to college doctors raise doctors that's a thing right it's not like people who are aren't doctors like all the time are just like i want to be a doctor just because it's very rare that someone who like doesn't have a, a parent that's a doctor or a family member that's a doctor like becomes a doctor because that's just like how it is so like we recommend college to our kids we want them to be educated like us right i'm doing air quotes educated like us so then when it comes to my generation, I now have the freedom to go to any college I want to go to. However, no one in my family has ever really encouraged it. And it's like this would this would make sense to a logical person. This would make sense to a logical person but for people who don't want to believe it. This is arbitrary, arbitrary. For people that don't want to believe this, this is in a real situation. They can't believe it. It doesn't matter until it happens to them. 
fucking people who like are super hard Trump supporters don't care about gay people until their nephew is gay and then suddenly they have things to say about gay people you know what I mean so this is the story I've alluded to this in the past I'll tell you why it relates to the future and I'll tell you the argument that you can build based on the story because I don't like to answer questions straight up you they could say black people just don't work hard enough and that's why generational wealth isn't really a thing they're just saying that because they want free shit now I could say that's not true I don't want that this this and this here's a fact here's a fact here's a figure here's a figure but I would rather say you have a minute for me to like tell you something all right so in 19 in the 1960s the late 1960s there's a group of 94 black students that I've mentioned in the past um 94 or 96 I think it was 94 black students and they had an event at UW Oshkosh which is the school I went to you could be like it was a school this black magician went to that I listened to his podcast and they wanted equal rights as all the other students they wanted black professors they wanted African American history classes they wanted all these things that uh, they thought they deserved it was the 60s they were new to the school because they were only allowed to be in for like the, that was like the first year they were allowed to be in because in Wisconsin they passed a law that said that schools wouldn't get any funding unless they had a certain amount of black people so that finally made the schools go out and recruit black people in the same manner that they recruit white people and they recruited a bunch of black kids that got there and realized that life was shitty as fuck they didn't even have like proper beds to sleep in they're being treated as second class citizens people were screaming monkey noises out windows and throwing shit at them down the street they were going home crying and fucking just had a horrible time because obviously it was Oshkosh, Wisconsin in the 60s where as I mentioned before, Appleton, Wisconsin the street or the, the fucking city up the street had fucking called for the death of Martin Luther King in their newspaper so it was a very racist place even though it was in the north and we don't think that's what it was like Right? all these kids got upset they made a list of demands that they wanted and took it to the, the the chancellor's office. The chancellor refused to see them. He said he didn't have any time for them. They said, we're not leaving. He said, we will not see you. They started to get angry. They turned desk over. They threw papers. They got mad. They got mad, as you would get mad, too. Imagine how mad you get when you don't get the shit that you deserve. Imagine that your whole life. Then you get somewhere and someone convinces you it's going to be better, and it's not, right? So that happens. They call the police, and they ship all of these kids off in U-Hauls. They, they arrest over 90 students and ship them off in U-Hauls to prisons and or jails, excuse me, and they ban them from UW Oshkosh for 30 years, right? 30 fucking years. They couldn't step foot on the campus for 30. In the 90s when Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on TV, they were still like, hey, what happened to those kids that uh, were mad that we were racist? And they were like, uh, I don't know. And they're like, okay, cool. So that was it, right? So, Fast forward. Why does this case matter? This is what I would ask them. I would say, why do you think this matters? They're probably, if they're smart, they would tell me why. If they're not, they would probably deny that this matters at all. And I would say, well, those students were students that pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They went to college and all they wanted was what everyone else had. They were shipped off like animals and banned from essentially every other college in the city because their names were put in the paper or in the in the state because their names were put in the paper some of them got into one more college called uw milwaukee which accepted a lot of black students at the time but not all of them could afford to try again you know their money was gone they lost their money so you have all these students who lost their money their parents and family are disappointed because they essentially fucked up because this was their one chance and they messed it up trying to be liberal you know what i mean why couldn't you just take what you've you've got more than us why couldn't you just take it and 
these kids had this promise of a college education. Now, what does a college education mean? A college education means you make $1 million more estimated in 20, I think 16 by Forbes or some shit like that. $1 million more in your lifetime at least. And that's average. As we know, college goes from everywhere from teachers that make 35,000 all the way to Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos who make fucking, who make billions. You know what I mean? So it's like for... So for the average to make one million in a lifetime, that doesn't mean anything. Because if there's the the all, always situation, the situation we talk about when we talk about averages and, and statistics, which we learned in my statistics class, um, is that with averages you always use the analogy: Jeff Bezos and a bartender walk into a room, or a homeless man walk into a room, or some shit. The net worth of the people in the room is now, like, what is that like? 50 billion even though one of them is dirt poor and one is super rich averages don't matter so in so in a lifetime if we looked at the median i don't know what the median is but the median is much higher for people in college like with with college degrees because just in general there's like people who are super rich you know that have this gap that's so far that i could you know it's it's just think about a little bit so anyway so we have we we have a million dollars more in, the life, in our lifetime. Also, Wisconsin has one of the uh, what is it? Wisconsin has one of the largest wage gaps for college, like college educated and non college educated people in the country. So this is like substantial for Wisconsin. So if I got kicked out of college, let's say they didn't even get kicked out of college, they were forced to leave college, banned from every other college, even though they were sought after to go to this college. They were kicked out, which means they were stripped of a million dollars in their lifetime. Now, they survived, and I'm assuming passed something on to their children. There was 90 of them. Imagine if that something was a million dollars. That's in the 60s. My mom was born in the 60s. My mom had me late. There could be three generations in my family, and I could probably be the same age. So imagine if I had not my grandma's one million and oh and not only my grandma's one million excuse me or my grandpa's one million but i had my mom's one million if we had two million dollars of generational wealth now you might be like who just has two million dollars sitting in the bank no one but think about your family does your mom own a house is that house worth three hundred thousand dollars does your grandma own a house is that house worth three hundred thousand dollars or more do they own a boat these are all assets. Like in accounting, these are all assets that add to their net worth. So these aren't liquidated yet, which means they didn't sell these things. If they sold everything tomorrow, if they sold everything they had tomorrow and died, would that add up to a few million dollars? That's generational wealth. That's the concept that the money that they've made that is substantially more or at least notably more than people who are different in some way because of a reason like we're kicked out of college. That money would have been used to buy various like assets, bonds, stocks, property, like houses, like all these things that gets kept in your family. So if you talk to one of your, like, ask a black friend the last time their family, like, fought over a will. My family has never fought over a will. No one in my family has ever had a will. My grandma had 13 siblings. This has never been a debate. You know what I mean? This has never been a thing. 
And I have so many families that their family's been shredded apart by one brother having access to the will and the other one's not getting what they thought they deserved and shit like that. So, like, really ask a black friend. I'm really asking you. Be like, yo, I heard this thing on a podcast. Have you ever, like, had a fight with a will in your family? And if they have, I bet it wasn't, like, a big will. I bet it was, like, some petty shit, you know? So it's like this this story isn't uncommon. This one million dollars of, of property, houses, this extra stuff. You know, if you have an extra million dollars of disposable income, they may have bought a car that got passed down. That's why a lot of your like family has old cars that can be sold. You know what I mean? Gold coins, gold, jewelry, all of this shit. It's, even if you're making if you're making, um, I don't know. If you're making ten thousand, twenty thousand, if you're making forty thousand dollars a year more than me, your wedding ring is going to reflect that, and that gets passed down too. This is all generational wealth. That's the point. So the point is that my family, or if I was in one of these UW Oshkosh '94s uh, families, that generational wealth, that money, those rings, those cars, those houses, the property, the lands that's been sold, the things passed down through the will, now comes to me when my parents die. I know a lot of you probably know how much money you're getting when your parents die. It's probably not really close to a million. But again, this is talking about averages. There's a lot of people out there that get are, are getting far more than a million. There's a lot of people out there that you're listening to this that don't know your parents. When they die, their stuff would be worth a million dollars. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, this isn't like to, to flex, but let's say like my parents don't like my mom doesn't have a lot of money. Right. But I'll give you the breakdown. Uh, for instance, I'm an only child. And I've never really thought about this until I got to adulthood because obviously I don't, I don't want my mom's things. I hate Wisconsin and I don't want to go back to Wisconsin. So I don't want their house and shit like that. But I'm her only child. So I do have to think about this. And she always would tell me like, hey, if anything ever happens to me, here's an envelope. This tells you what to do because like I had to be prepared for that. So like that's like a real thing. So um, the house that my mom bought is worth about in Wisconsin. This is a decent price, but like it sounds really cheap. It was worth about $180,000, I would say. She could probably sell it for around two hundred dollars or two twenty. dollars I would say, about now. So by the time my mom dies, I'm being very candid, but this is like a reality of life. By the time my mom dies, which I would think would be in about 20 or 30 years, uh, she would most likely have her house paid off, right? And it's in a budding area of Wisconsin. Uh, because they have a bunch of like uh, factories there, the S.C. Johnson factory is there, which makes Windex, and they have this Foxconn thing, which is a like huge billion dollar project, right? So by the time they get ready to sell the house, I'm sure the area will be gentrified, especially because it's near Chicago and between Milwaukee, and the property value will probably go up. I bet you, I'd be willing to bet you, I could get around three hundred fifty thousand dollars for my mom's house because it's a nice big house that they bought brand new, right? And when she dies, since it'll be paid off, she would 100% leave it to me because my stepdad doesn't have any kids. So I know this for a fact. So like that's $300,000 of generational wealth theoretically coming to me. Potentially. Potentially. Like a lot of shit could happen. Like obviously I've never talked about this with my mom. I've never seen her will. I don't even know if she has a will. But just to break this down for you so you can be like, if you're like, well, we don't have that much money. Like my mom just worked hard and got a house when she was like young and she bought it, you know, and that's what most people do. They buy houses, but some people just never do. Some people just don't care about generational wealth. Some people, I mean, she didn't buy the house. I don't think to pass it down to me. She bought it because she wanted to buy a house, you know, but that's the kind of how you can break down your own family. Think like how much did their house cost? 
how much my mom might they have two cars right they'd have probably have those paid off by the time and they'll probably keep those cars or most likely get like one more you know it's like all this all this shit and it's not like count up your parents assets but it's like to be realistic and to actually know what i'm talking about you could be like look at your parents like make this analogy like your parents have this because they traded in that fucking 1938 ford thunderbird or something that like their grand you know like what i mean it's like that type of shit so this is a real example of generational wealth one million dollars missing from each generation just by the averages from online they are saying online fucking in forbes that people who go to college make a million dollars more on average in their lifetime so all you have to do is say i told you the story of these kids that had no control over getting kicked out of school essentially because they were black right the school obviously didn't want them there even if you were like well they rioted the school didn't want them there you know they were being racist to them the school didn't want them there they won't even hear their demands and then as soon as they did something when kids are fucking raping and getting like being able to stay in school they like expel everyone that was in the room for fucking throwing papers so you have this here right and then you have this idea that they're now kicked out and it potentially ruined a lot of their lives. Now you have my generation. If I was one of their grandchildren, would I go to college? I'd probably be like, fuck UW Oshkosh from what I've heard. That's one option. The second one is that my grandma said college sucks. Why would I want to go? Uh, the, th- the third option is the grandma was bitter about college their whole life. Their parents ended up bitter and then they were bitter. Like, these are all like, you could be like, well, that's just if you give up, wouldn't you give up? Like, why do you have to be superhuman to, to live your life? You know, you shouldn't have to be, you know? So if, if, if my college kicked me out and banned me forever or what felt like forever ruined my life and my one opportunity to get out of the hood, you know, I would be extremely salty too. A lot of your parents can't get over their fucking ex-boyfriends or ex-husbands. How am I going get, to get over people who, who ruin the trajectory of my life? You know? So it's like, imagine you're going to be a math professor. You've always wanted to be a math professor. You get kicked out of school, and now you have to be a garbage man at an elementary school for the rest of your life. You might be like, well, why don't you just humble yourself? Like, you just don't know how it feels. You know, and I don't either, but, like, that must, shit must be crazy. So, moving on. That's the example I would give. My claim would be generational wealth is a real thing and affects black people proportionately higher in a negative way. However, I would phrase that my ground, my reason would be that whole story. It doesn't have to be necessarily a sentence for a essay. My ground would be like a sentence or like a few sentences, but for the purpose of a whole argument, which I'm thinking big picture, I'm not just trying to say my point. You say your point, say your point. I'm trying to change their mind. You know, if you watch the, there's a scene in the RBG movie on the basis of sex, which you all should watch, especially because she just passed away. Uh, But there's a scene in it where she meets a famous civil rights lawyer and the civil rights lawyer is a female, is a woman, excuse me. And she says, um, they're talking about how she's trying to essentially change a law for men to show how in the big picture it affects women. And the woman that she's talking to, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the woman that she's talking to says, 
First, you have to change minds, then you change the law. You don't change the law and then try to change minds, which I thought was super interesting. So it's like the idea that you could like fire point, fire point, fire point. They're just trying to beat you at your argument. But if you can change their mind, they won't argue with you. You know, and especially if you can make them see like this is a concrete, real world example. And if you don't want to see this, that's on you. But I'm trying like I there's nothing more I can do. If you want to deny that this was a thing that happened that affects me, you and my black friend, RJ, you know, so that is the story of generational wealth. That is a story of generational wealth. Now. I told this story a few times. However, I think I dissected this in a in a, a new way. Also, I feel connected to this story. I don't know if I told you guys this. I can't remember. But uh, one of the students in this group, I actually got to study, read their writing. I got to pick any student I want. And I saw one of the students was named Henry Brown. And I was like, Henry Brown? That reminds me of, at this point in my life, I just started writing about the history of black magicians. I'm a black magic historian. Remember, I had a episode drop yesterday about the history of magic in Hitler. You should definitely listen to that. However, moving on, I was like, this reminds me of Henry Box Brown, who was a famous slave that escaped from slavery to freedom from Virginia to Philadelphia in a two foot by three foot box. And how he did this was he had to get out of work for the day and by work i mean slavery and he was like yo boss by boss i mean master He was like yo like look at this and his hand was just burnt off and he was like what the fuck he was like yeah my hand got burnt don't know what happened and he's like you're probably sick don't work today what henry box brown did was stick his hand in a bucket of fucking sulfuric acid burned his skin off so he could get out of work for the day that way he could plan his escape sending himself to abolitionist where he saved up over $200 and this was in like the 1800s saved up over $200 to ship himself in a box from Virginia to Philadelphia which took days I believe days it took days and he went from Virginia to Philadelphia where he then escaped from the box obviously mailed himself to white people who he didn't know would free them like there's Nigerian prince scams can you imagine the fucking free a nigga scam like that might have been a thing that might have been a thing so he got out of the box decided to learn magic and travel around the world speaking against slavery moved to england and married a white woman in the 1850s which is the real magic trick because there was people that were getting fucking shot for looking at white women in america in the 1950s and this motherfucker married one in the 1850s not saying that marrying white women is like a good thing but what i am saying is it's bold as fuck for a nigga in the 1850s that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying so that's the story of Henry Box Brown. Henry Box Brown was a slave. And in the writings, the journal writings of the student, when they interviewed him later in his life, he said, my name is Henry Brown Jr. My, name, my father's name is Henry Brown Sr. I don't really know where I got the name, but my family thinks it came from, uh, came from a famous slave named Henry Brown. And I said, no way. Because most people don't know Henry Box Brown was a magician. Most people don't know that's why they called him Henry Box Brown. You know, they just know that he escaped freedom in a box, but they don't know that he then created a trick. Called, it was called something like the escape of Box Brown or something, where he would, like, escape from a box for the rest of his life. And he, anywhere he went, they'd be like, do the box trick, Henry! And, yeah, he did that. And it was just, he performed as a, a, a ventriloquist, I believe, and, like, a hypnotist. And he just did everything. But that's that's 
someone I wrote about and knew about years before I did this project on this Black Thursday event where they expelled all these black students and to find that the one person I picked to read their writings happens to be a descendant of Henry Brown. And if he isn't, he thinks he is. And that's close enough because there's no other place that I would see Henry Brown's name like mentioned in like the UW Oshkosh library. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fucking wild. So these things, I think everything's connected. My life is connected to the past, to the future. And I, I feel this a lot, especially when, when moments like this happen and I'm able to bring it all together. So I went on the radio talking about this in Wisconsin for uh, Wisconsin Public Radio. And I went and wrote an op-ed about this and sent it to a bunch of newspapers, to my friend in the radio, and he sent it to one of his friends. Everyone was like, this is great. And then just like no one published it. Like no one published it. And I'm like, yo, where you guys at? Publish it. Like publish it. It was basically, it was like low-key a hit piece. It was a hit piece at my school saying, this is a prime example of generational wealth. You guys have done nothing to correct this. They have, you have little ceremonies where you honor them, but you never give them anything monetarily, and you ruin their lives. And I'm calling for a scholarship fund to be set up for anyone in their family within the next four generations that wants to go to school there. And I want them to be able to go for free because you ruin their lives and you have never publicly apologized because you know the moment that you do, you're admitting guilt, and that admission of guilt gives them grounds to sue. I knew, and this is basically everything I said in this article. So I, I laid out the whole argument that I just laid out for you guys. How like this is generational wealth. This is the reason UW Oshkosh like inflicted this like deduction on their generational wealth. This is wrong. We need to fix this. Here's a petition. And I had a petition up, right? Fucking no one ever published the article. And the thing about petitions is I need that article to fucking kick it off, right? I need that article. I need something that people can share so that people can be like, oh, yeah, because if I just put, hey, guys, here's my long petition with a very long explanation, my friends will share it, but I want Wisconsin to share it. So this is what I, my project as a publicist that I've been thinking about for months because it's been a few months that I went on the radio talking about that, and I don't have too many signatures on my petition. <sighs> However... I need something big. So this is why I really, one of the reasons I really want this Netflix thing, because as soon as I get this, I know for a fact, the newspapers are going to be like calling me from UW Oshkosh or the, not UW Oshkosh from the Oshkosh area, Wisconsin. They're all going to be calling me be like, can we get an interview? Can we get an interview? And I'm going to be like, remember that opinion editorial that I sent you? You published like three of mine in the past. And uh, this one, you just didn't see to, to your personal email editor. You didn't see this. And I'm going to make them publish that or either interview me about that subject to kick off the petition if uh, my show gets picked up. Because I that's like the, the plan and one of the things I'm most excited for because I really want to just like fucking hit them in the fucking middle of the night when they're fucking sleeping. And then they get a bloop bloop and it's like RJ the Magician says UW Oshkosh owes millions of dollars to so, yeah, this is the project I've been working on. Have the op-ed sent, perfectly written. I have the fucking story recorded on the news or on the radio. But this just uh, the final thing is I just need to hit them so hard and blitz them that there's nothing that they can do. You know, that they're just like, oh, my God, like there's, this is a firestorm of fucking shit. We have to do what he says. And if I hit him with that, that just like the law uh, is sets a precedent. It sets a precedent for people to say for any school in the country 
where they kicked black people out for no reason, the the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of those students can go to that college for free or at least get a big scholarship because that directly affected them. That would set the precedent for this to happen in America and maybe open up a world of black education. That is highly improbable that this little school in Oshkosh would mean that much. However, I think it's worth a try. And I think it's uh, it's a fun project. To, and I, I just have to like, you know, I, I really want to like play it right. I need to move my pieces at, at the right time. Because this, this, this might, like, I thought this would take a few days. This ended up taking months. This might take years, but it will be okay if it takes years. You know, if, they, if everyone who got expelled dies before this happens, I would still do it. You know what I mean? So, yes. So, anyway, that's the podcast generational wealth you tell the story now the story is now yours the story of the um, black thursday uw oshkosh 90 is it 94 let me look it up real quick because i always get it confused just because i know the story so well and i'm convinced that it's 94 but maybe it's not black thursday uwro 1968 all right all right so one of these lists says 90 i've heard 94 and i've heard 96 but i'm pretty sure it's the oshkosh 94 ah i don't know look it up for yourself pick an article to the side it was in the new york times back in the day i believe there's tons of articles online look up black thursday and you can also look up black thursday henry brown and you will see a picture of the potential descendant of the famous magician and my hero, Henry Box Brown. So thanks for listening to the I Hate Everyone podcast. I hope you have a beautiful, awful day. I'll see you guys tomorrow, most likely, uh, for another episode of the podcast. Because we're not giving up. We're putting out shit. We're putting out shit. So yes. Oh, follow me on Instagram at RJTheMagicCan. RJTheMagicCan. And rate the podcast if you like it. Tell me if you like this new setup. Uh, thanks for listening. All right.